is a day of rest and reflection for many of us. And with any luck of joy and gratitude and communal celebration as well. So with that in mind, I wanted to offer a surprise bonus episode of Lean Out with a special guest to offer a little hope and inspiration for Christmas Day and for the year to come. Christopher White is the minister at Kedron United Church in Oshawa, Ontario, in the greater Toronto area. I'm thrilled to have Reverend Christopher White as my guest today for a special Christmas Day episode of Lean Out. Reverend, welcome back to Lean Out. Thank you. I'm absolutely delighted to be here. So nice to have you back on Christmas Day. Uh, you and I first got acquainted when I booked you for Metro Morning, a CBC show that I used to work on, and we have kept in touch. I thought you would be the perfect person to help me think through the challenges of this year and, and offer a holiday message to listeners. You have just shepherded a congregation through a global pandemic. What have you been seeing and hearing this year in your community? That's a really good question. Well, first of all, it's Christmas Day, so let me uh, wish everybody a, a Merry Christmas or a Happy Holiday, depending on on, on your tradition. Um, that's a really excellent question because I don't think we've really come to terms with what's happened over the past two years yet. Uh, I think we're still living it out. We're we're still experiencing it. Uh, a friend of mine was on a sabbatical uh, from his church and came back and. Uh, he said that he he was, you know, and I've heard this in other places, there's still a lot of angst in congregations. There's still a lot of un unsettledness. I mean, when I was planning Christmas Eve this year, I said, so we're going to have three services, pause, as long as everything is still okay. <laughs> because there's still that level of uncertainty. We're wondering, you know, is is there something coming next that 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 we don't know about yet and we're still dealing with the outcome of the shutdowns you know it was this is the first christmas in two years we've been able to be in person and let me tell you it doing christmas eve online i mean it was wonderful that we could do lots and lots of people watched it but it just kind of hurts your soul you know it kind of hurts your soul to do christmas eve online even though it was the right thing to do but i would say you know we're, we're still dealing we're still dealing with the fallout of covid and i don't think we fully understand what that means for us yet not only in the church but as a society and I mean, we are we are communal people. We need to be interdependent. And yet you and I have talked about this before. Canadian society is quite divided right now. We see this with extreme wealth inequality. We saw it during the pandemic with the vaccinated and the unvaccinated. We saw it during the trucker crisis. We see it with the left and the right. How do we begin to come together again? Well, that's the billion dollar question. Um, I think that one of the things we have lost and need to regain as a society is empathy. And, and empathy gives us the capacity not to agree, but to appreciate the other person as a, a human being, to see the world, to, to do our best to see the world through their eyes and walk in their shoes, and not to be automatically dismissive. One of the huge problems, in in my view, with with social media, which is which is why personally, if Elon Musk blows Twitter up, I'm all for it, um, is that we have 
uh, it divides us into camps. There appears to be no room for nuance. There's just, I'm right, you're wrong. Uh, here's why I'm right. Here's why you're wrong. Oh, wait, you're an idiot. No, you're an idiot, right? And so these divisions have continued to grow. So somehow in our society, and I think this is where political leadership needs to come in. I think we have to find, I think as our political leaderships on all levels of government need to, uh, need to create opportunities within our society where we can listen to one another without automatically judging one another and hanging into our camps. And if we don't do that, if we don't find ways to, to listen and to learn, then the divisions just become harder and harder. And we see what's happening in the States right now. And it's very concerning. And it's not just the States, it's globally. You know, we're, we're just putting ourselves in, in camps with walls around our camps. And we just poke our spears out to try and get to the other person instead of opening ourselves to say, all right, um, I'm not agreeing with you, but let's listen to each other. We listen to respond, right? You, you say something and I'm listening, but I'm not really hearing. I'm just formulating my response so I can show you how right I am. And, and we have to figure out a way to get past that. In, into a place of, of learning from each other again. Mm. And underneath that, I sense when I'm doing interviews, uh, I sense that so many of us have this deep craving for closer contact with other people, that there's this real kind of loneliness that is pervading our society. And you and I have talked about this before in terms of the in extreme individualism of our culture that de-emphasizes community. There will be people today listening that are suffering with this isolation today. What is your message to those people who are feeling that acutely today? My message is a, a, a number of things. The first thing I would say is, you know, a deep sense of, of sadness that we as a society have become created such pockets of isolation for individuals. And my response to those who are experiencing isolation is to look within your neighborhood and your community for other groups to connect to and to go find them. Because you're right, we are all hungry for, for connection now. We're hungry for that in person. Um, Zoom is great, right? Like I, I use Zoom all every week. I, I use it constantly, but nothing replaces that group interaction where I can, uh, I can feel your spirit. I can, I can feel your presence. I get a sense of you as, as, as a, a full person um, by being in your presence. And we need that and we need to be intentional about that. It's our society, and, and this would be my, my argument, is that we have created society, I would say for the last 50 years, uh, the neoliberalism of the glorification of the autonomous individual that has done enormous damage to us. It has done damage socially, economically, I would argue spiritually, and put us in a really dark place. And there is no such thing as an autonomous individual. We are all part of a community. We all count on one another. We all function together as, as a collective of people. And, you know, I think it was uh, Margaret Mead who said the first sign of civilization wasn't weapons, but 
the first sign of civilization was seeing that somebody's leg, a broken leg had been bound, which means the caring for the other had started all those thousands of years ago. And I think that's how we, we measure the success of a civilization, of a culture and of a country by how we care for one another. And that's not the top of our priorities anymore. It's not out there. You know, we, we have all sorts of sections in our paper, but we don't have sections that talk about, you know, what are we doing to care for each other this week, today? What's happening in our society? We don't lift that up as a value to be celebrated and to be lived out and taught and passed down. One of the other things I wanted to ask you about today was this conversation about the decline of organized religion. I'm I'm not religious, but increasingly... I feel that human beings are probably hardwired for faith in a power greater than themselves and for a collective spirituality. And that if we don't seek it in faith, we find it in other things like politics, which perhaps don't offer soul enriching values like love for our fellow man, like forgiveness. What are your thoughts on that? I just had a fascinating conversation the hour before this with a colleague of mine who came into working for the church and being part of the church after a long period professionally working in, in the political world. And in this conversation, he talked about changing hearts. And that's why he's he's come to the church. And I think that is what faith is about. I think faith and the role of the church is, is transforming and saving human lives. If we are not in the work of transforming and saving human lives, then what are we doing? right? What, what are we doing? I think human beings are hardwired for faith, and they will find faith in something else if the church or the mosque or, or, or the synagogue or the temple is not successful in framing the message of what it does in a way that resonates with a community, with people, then they will find faith in other things. And that has been the story, I would say, of the, of the last number of decades, that we have been, we, we have failed to adequately form our story in a way that engages, and not only engages, but invites people into a place where they feel it's authentic to their lives. And until we do that, the decline will continue. But on the other side of that, you know, I have young adults coming to my church young adults. I mean, yes, do I have older folks? Sure. And middle folks? Absolutely. But I have young adults coming and they're staying and they're engaging in the community because they're looking for something deeper than what their life is has been giving them at this, this moment. And that the story in our culture of uh, accumulation, the, the story of consumerism, the story of the self-actualized individual has fundamentally failed. It's absolutely failed and is leaving a trail of wreckage. And so I think we're starting to see a shift, uh, not back, but a shift forward into a new capacity to understand the story of faith in the different traditions and to connect with it. What do you see the role of being a religious leader in Canada in 2022? You ask such good questions. Uh, I think my my role is it's a multiple role. One of my roles is to reach into the community and working with 
other community leaders, in, both within and outside of the church, uh, you know, other uh, secular organizations as well, to work together for the common good, to see the places where there is a deep woundedness in, in our society and enter into that place. So our church helped to form a pilot program, a homeless sponsorship program, where we sponsored people who were homeless or marginally housed in the same way we do the refugee program. And we put a community around these folks. Well, one of these guys was living in his truck, you know, and, and what kind of world have we created where, where that's okay, where we say, oh, well, th- this is acceptable. No, it isn't. And what we have done is provided stability for these people for the first time for some of them in their lives. That's a small sample in our, in our pilot project, but we've, over the two years of the, of the project, you know, these people are stable now. That's a hugely significant piece of work. To, to do that, to be able to, to make that kind of transition. So my job is to do things such as that. My job is to, is to reach out to where there is the hurt and also to reach out to our children within our community to tell the folks in our church that what we do matters because too many churches today don't think what they do has any relevance anymore. And I say what we do is about transforming and saving human lives. And that is a project that all of us need to be a part of. And that's that's my job. That's my role. And given that we are speaking today on Christmas Day, there was a, a line from an email that you sent me a while back that really stands out. We were discussing a different topic, but you wrote, all of us need a story upon which we base our lives. We are creatures of narrative. My narrative is the Christian story because it answers for me the existential questions of my life. Could you just reflect on that line a little bit, given the day that we're on? Absolutely. The story of Jesus, his birth, his life, his death, his resurrection, for me and his ministry in there, for me answers, how am I to be as a human being? You know, so what does Jesus do? He, he heals the sick. He calls out the wealthy and the powerful. He feeds people. He calls for a different system of of power distribution and sharing in our world. And he speaks and he lives out love. And he really, really ticks people off. So there's a wonderful story where a tax collector who was seen as a traitor, we have to understand this, he was a, a, a would have been seen as a, as a traitor to his people. He's climbing a tree. The guy's name is Zacchaeus. He's this tax collector, and the mob is, finds him in his tree, and they're going to kill him, right? He's alone. His guards aren't with him. They're just going to kill him. And Jesus comes in and says, Zacchaeus, come on down. I've come to have dinner with you. And everyone's like, that's disgusting. Zacchaeus is the scum of the earth. And you're saying you're going to eat with him? So now Jesus has taken the rage aimed at Zacchaeus and taken it into himself, right? He's put himself at risk for another person. That's the story I want to be a part of. That's a community I want to be a part of that that lives for for others. And if I don't have that story, and, and that story is lived out in different religious traditions, then what story have I got? And I'll find a story, even if it's an unhealthy story. We have to have a story. Narrative gives us meaning. And that's what gives me meaning, especially on Christmas Day. I know it's a time of joy and light. But what people forget is that there is a darkness in the original Christmas story about Roman occupation, 
a crazy king, violent King Herod, and Jesus and his family fleeing to save Jesus' life as a refugee into Egypt. And that story um, will carry people going through really tough times because it speaks to their own experience. Not necessarily always, but globally. You know, you're a refugee. That story speaks to you. If you've experienced political persecution, that story speaks to you. It's it's a it's a life saving story. Mm. And just lastly, what are your hopes for for all of us here in Canada going forward for this next year? What what thoughts do you want to leave us to meditate on for the holidays? My hopes for this upcoming year is that we find a way past the division and anger that is dividing us. My hopes for this upcoming year is that our political and economic leadership in this country understand the depth of the division, the woundedness that has been created through the enormous gap that is growing between rich and poor, not just rich and poor, rich and the middle class, and that you cannot disenfranchise two generations of Canadians from things like home ownership without there being a reckoning. And somebody at the latest Davos gathering said, it's change or pitchforks. Well, I hope for 2023 that our political leadership and our economic leadership understand the perilous place that we actually are right now that I don't think they accept in any way, shape, or form and start working together to overcome the division of wealth, the division of of anger, and to create again um, a wholesome community that we all need to and want and dream to live in for ourselves, our kids, and grandkids. Well, that is a good place to leave it, Reverend. It is always a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for making the time today. Oh, you're so welcome. Thank you for having me on. It's been an absolute pleasure. Lean Out is hosted and produced by myself, Tara Henley. Thank you all for listening this year and for your support. I wish you a very Merry Christmas and a more unified and harmonious society in 2023.